everyone welcome back to dad space uh, i have a gentleman that i've met through a friend thank you victoria uh nate is here and uh we're just laughing about the website that's being fixed and updated in the background and i love the website anyway nate so welcome to dad space nice to have you here Thanks for having me. Good, good. I'm good. You're you're much too kind. Oh come on, yeah. there you go. <laughs> the, the website is, is terrible, but, <laughs> but I appreciate it. If you need a website built, you go talk to Nate, and he's going to take yeah. care of you. How's that? No, 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 Nate. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a, that's a, not, that's not one of my lanes. There you yes. go. Awesome. I can tell you where to go. There you go. Awesome. Um, Nate, we met through a mutual friend. Uh, Victoria has introduced us, and thank you, Victoria, for this. This is great. Um, talk a little bit about uh, your background and maybe uh, maybe how you connected with Victoria, because uh, I, I really love her. She's amazing. Sure. So I can tell you, I connected with Victoria. I said that first. That's easier uh, through Podmatch. So we both were subscribed for this uh, Podmatching uh, podcast host guest subscription service called Podmatch, and uh, we connected through that. And Thanks. we've been connected. I thought that we first talked the end of 2022, end of last year. And so we've remained connected. And, and Victoria's great because she's always assigning you new tasks. I, I have this term, <laughs> voluntold. <laughs> Victoria voluntails you to do stuff. Oh, so, yes. So, so, yes. So she told me to connect with you. And so now you and I are connected. And hopefully we will stay connected Um but otherwise, a little by me, I'm from originally from a, a small town in Indiana called Gary. Um, I was born and raised there, left there in 1983 and went to college in Indianapolis, a school called Butler University and was there. And when I graduated there, applied for law school and attended Valparaiso University and also had my master's in history and theology and uh, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do in my life. And then was in the financial services industry for about 30 years. But more importantly, I mean, I don't talk to anyone about about financial stuff. I talk to people these days about mostly about started talking about about being a parent, being a father. Um, and and now more often, I end up finding myself talking to parent people just about how we can raise our level of humanity. Nice. Nice. So talk about your a little bit about the family and stuff. Talk about how many children. Just uh, sure. some basics to give us some idea as well. Sure. I, I'll, I'll say what I used to tell students when I was uh, an adjunct faculty member here at a small school. I'd say I have one wife and I have one son. If those relationships don't work out, I'm done. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I have. I have a son named Naeem um, and I have a wife named Latani. Nice. Awesome. Great family. It sounds like that's awesome. Uh, and then I, we were just chatting before we hit record. Uh, you shared a little bit about kind of your journey into new paths just by starting with a simple blog around your son and his path and his journey as he kind of left the U.S. and uh, just kind of keeping everybody up to date on what he was doing. And that turned into opening doors for you that you probably never would have anticipated. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about what, what he did, like sure. where he went and why, and and then give us a little bit of that background again. Sure. So uh, in 2012, um, my son, actually it was the end of two, 2011, uh, we, we took a family trip to Vegas and none of us gambled. So after a day or two in the hotel, we were bored to death and thought, well, what, like, what do we do? So we rented a car. We drove out to the Grand Canyon. My son and I had just finished reading The Alchemist and by Paulo Coelho, who by, by chance is 
I guess coincidentally, is Brazilian. Uh, we'd also read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. Yep. So I'd raised this, we'd raised this child who, who believes that everything is possible and that the very first thing to do is to envision it, to have these really bold, audacious dreams. And, and that's part of what the alchemist teaches, that there's this guy named Santiago. He has his dream of going to find his own pyramid, his what he calls a legend, and that he has to go there by any means necessary. So I'm staying on the Grand Canyon with my son, and we're on the edge of the canyon, and about 3,000 feet above sea level, and my wife is yelling and screaming at us to get away from the edge, and my son and I are talking about how great it is to be on the edge, and he says, I said, don't you feel alive? He says, absolutely, absolutely, and you know what? I feel so alive that this is the way I'm going to feel for forever, and, and by the way, next year, for my senior year in high school, I'm skipping that. <laughs> he says... I need to leave. I need to leave. You know, like in, in Alchemist, I need to leave. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I need to leave the country. I want to chase my dream of playing professional soccer, and I can't do it being here in America. I need to leave. So wow. you got to find a way to help me to get out of here. So, okay. So Timothy Ferris outlined in his book, one of the things to do was to hire a virtual assistant. I found a company in India I hired the, the one of I, I I contracted that company, formed a relationship with the with a uh, virtual assistant. His name is Nathan, and Nathan shot my son's soccer background, resume, et cetera, to eleven and found eleven clubs across the globe that were willing to have him come in for trial. So his favorite national team was the Brazilian national team. So when there were clubs in Brazil that were listed. We reached out to those clubs and were invited to go to Brazil. And we went to Brazil. He tried out and played soccer for three or four clubs in, in Brazil. Watched him play with more joy than I'd ever seen him play here in, in the States. And he said, I want to stay. And so we're like, okay. So he skipped a senior year in high school and um, wow. moved to Brazil. People around me, of course, as you can imagine, were asking us, have we lost our mind? Here's this 16-year-old child who's going to go 7,000 miles away from home, and we don't know these people anywhere else. And we're like, well, this is how he's been prepared all his life. Because what people didn't understand was that my objective was to make sure he was able to graduate from high school as a 14-year-old. I wanted him to be done at 14. Wow. wow. So we had taken an application from Harvard and use the application from Harvard before he was born to create a, a template or a platform for him to use this child, this unborn child to use to make sure that the child can meet the academic rigors of a school like Harvard and to be able to do so by 14. Okay, so where did the idea come from for that? Because right now there's dads listening to this going, wait, I'm going to rewind what he just said, because that is not the most common parenting model is an application to Harvard. No, no, nobody. In, in 1994, when when we started this this journey, again, as you could imagine, well, no one knew it. No one knew we'd written Harvard. No one knew until 95 when he was born. Uh, but in 94, I wrote Harvard. And the reason I wrote Harvard is because I, I was a third year law student and I had no, I had no prospects for a job. I had no idea what I was going to do. I wasn't a great student. I wasn't a terrible student. I did better in graduate school than I did in law school, um, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And honestly, I, I pretty much decided after my beginning of my second year of law school that I did not want to practice law. And so here I am 
in this program to get a law degree. And and all I know of about being a lawyer is going to be bar to you know sit for the bar and be a you know prosecutor or a defense attorney or something. And I didn't want to do any of that. Um, but I'd also asked someone to marry me and she was expecting that I was going to be a lawyer. And now I'm like at, at a complete loss about what I want to do with my life. And I'm realizing that what I really wanted to do, um, I'd started speaking for the university and they would bring in students and I would encourage students and families about the importance of college and sort of life planning. And I was really enjoying that. And I'd written my uh, graduate thesis and it was supposed to be a 25 page, page paper and it turned into 150 pages. And I wanted to publish that as a book. I really figured out, okay, I think I kind of know what I want to do, but now I can't do it because people are counting on me. I have a child who's coming. Right. I have a wife that is expecting me to be a, a certain thing. So I just thought, well, if I was at a different law school and I was faced with this problem, would I have this problem? And I said, no, nah, if I was at Harvard, no one would care what my grades were. It would just be that he's a Harvard Law School graduate and people would want to probably hire me. So so with that as a factor, and I said, well, then what would it have taken me to get to Harvard? Well, you probably would have had to have a better undergraduate experience. And what would it have taken you to have a better undergraduate experience? Well, your parents would probably have to prepare you to have to have done better in high school. And how would you have done better in high school? Well, you probably yeah. have done better in middle school, right? You see where we're going. And yeah. so then you're like, well, it all starts at the beginning. So we got the application from Harvard to figure out what, what it would take to get to someone to get a child to Harvard and use that as the template for everything in his life. And Harvard said that there was, you know, three things that they were primarily looking for. And the the thing that was least astonishing to us was the academic portion, because, of course, you knew Harvard wanted you to have great grades and test scores. But the other thing Harvard said was they wanted students who cared for something greater than themselves mm. and they wanted students who were world citizens. And I'm like, oh, OK. And so we use that to um, raise them to be intellectually ambitious, to be globally and culturally competent and to be humanitarian driven. Wow. That does not come with your newborn baby at the hospital, those instructions <laughs> at all. No. No. You're no. kind of you're kind of sneaking out of the hospital going, I don't know what I'm doing as a father. I don't know if I'm gonna do it well. There's like no instructions, but they trust me. You walk out with this baby and they're not following me home. So yeah. That, that's, you that's know, true. you're trying to figure this all out. So what an amazing template to kind of build off of a foundation, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was, you know, I always tell people that really what it was, it was a gamble. But if everybody, if everybody's gambling, if everybody's saying we don't have a manual, then, well, why not? What happens if I create my own? And so when you say, hey, I, I want a child to, be, to meet the academic rigors of Harvard, then you start to say, well, well, how do you get started with that? Like, what's the most important thing to preparing someone to do well academically? Well, the sooner I can get them to be able to read and the sooner I can get them to be able to count, like in my mind, that's where it, that's where it started. So I just started to do research about who was teaching children to read and count at an early age and came across a gentleman by the name of Glenn Doman, who was teaching children with brain injuries to read and count. Uh, to do math, sophisticated math problems, and read exceptionally well by 18 months. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. My child doesn't have a brain injury. So if this is working for children with brain injuries, well, why don't I just try to do some of these things he's suggesting? And that's and that's where we started with that. Wow. Wow. 
<laughs> so this is a completely different path, Nate. I love this. This is this is what I love about having a great conversation. Is you just you 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 as a parent, like I'm just thinking if there's a parent listening to this and they're expecting and the baby's coming soon and they're hearing this, they'll be like, uh, you're gonna have to they're gonna share this with somebody and go, You gotta hear this. <laughs> like what a what an amazing idea. Did when you when you're telling your your family and friends your plan for your son <laughs> what were they saying like were they having the same reaction or are they what, what oh my goodness so no man you know what's funny so um and you can cut me off at any time no no it's it, good it, it's this is a really a, a joyous walk back down memory lane so a month ago um today is the what's today's the 12th yeah a month ago today i think nine graduated from Carnegie Mellon with his PhD. Uh, well, he they had the hooding the hooding ceremony. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, a lot of people started reaching out to me, telling me what a great job, what a great job you've done. You've been a, you've done a great job as a father, et cetera. And I and I told them I, I don't I don't want any praise. Like I don't you don't need to praise me. But I would find to be very interesting. A lot of people who are who are who are praising us are people who were critical of us in the beginning. Mm, nice, right. So th that's the funny part that they forgot about how hard they were critiquing us. And why are you, you know, because so Glenn Doman, as an example, said, hey, um, there take big picture books. And while your infant is laying in the crib, just read the big picture books and show the pictures and say whatever is on the picture. So if you have a, a fire engine and you say this is a fire engine, a fire engine shows up for an emergency when there's a fire. Here's what a fire, like you just say everything you could yeah. possibly say. And when the child's eyes start to, to move away from the picture, then you change and put a new picture up there. And you do the same thing with the next picture. What he, what he was subscribing, well, prescribing was that this is the way you build vocabulary. This is yeah. the way, so kids hear the intonation in your voice. So they, so they start to learn how they should speak and will speak. So don't ever use any baby talk. None of this gaga Google stuff. No, so we yeah. did that. So people were like, what are you doing? And then when you come over in our in his home, in our home, in his crib, we pay language tapes. So you might walk back in the room, Dave, and hear, hola, como esta, bien y tu. You might hear, guten morgen, guten tarde. And folks are like, Nate, what are you doing? And do you speak those languages? And I said, no, but there's some <laughs> science, there's some science around the brain, some uh, about cognitive development that, and they're like, man, you're like, you all are crazy. <laughs> all right. So, you know, fast forward to where we are now, um, people think it's great. But in the very beginning, people thought, you know, pretty much lost our mind and thought perhaps that, that I had somehow uh, drugged my wife to, <laughs> to participate. What is going in my on madness. in that house? What exactly. is happening over there? Exactly. Uh, but when your kids are small like that, they're just a natural sponge, right? They're just taking in everything. And that's setting all of the pathways to learning from the very beginning. And I just think when you talk about that Google Kaga stuff and, you know, it's, yeah, it's cute. Okay. Okay. It's cute. Yeah. Right. I got that. But what are they learning? Right. What do you, no, you want them to, to rise up and, and, and to, and see life with curiosity. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so if you're curious and you put that in front of them, you're going to build that natural pathway to learn right from the beginning. I love that. Yep. And that's where we were, you and I were talking earlier. I was saying that one of the things I realized that 
it wasn't enough for me to to do stuff to get him prepared. It also required me to be better. So yeah. I had to read more. I had to increase my own vocabulary. And so right. one of the things that I did uh, with him is that I wrote him letters. And, and that is part of the journey as well, that because I had a tumultuous childhood and I didn't, and I thought I was going to absolutely mess it up. I was going to be like my father. I figured, you know, the sins of the father are passed on to the child. I'm my, my father's fruit. I, I can't somehow uh, reconstruct my DNA. And so I was so fearful. I was going to be like my father. That, one, that what I wanted to do is at least write him messages and notes before I messed it up. So I started writing him notes before he was born. And I wrote notes about what I hoped for his life when he was small. When he was two, he walked to the mailbox with me and asked me for mail. So I was getting mail and he says, well, where's my mail, dad? And I said, man, there's nothing in this mailbox that's good. And he said, but daddy, I want mail. And then it was it was that insistence on by this two-year-old that encouraged me to do something that then became something important later on, I started writing him letters. And I wrote him until I still, I write him now, it's in a different form, but I write him every day, but I was writing him then. And so then when he is a 16 year old decides that he wants to go off to Brazil, I have enough things that I've written him that I put mm-hmm. 36 or 38 of these letters I'd written to him in a binder and figured, you're going to be 7,000 miles away. You're not going to want to talk to your father. So I'm going to put these letters that I've written you because all of these letters are about what you will do as a man, not what you did as a boy. I never wrote him as a as a boy. In fact, I would tell my friends that he was my MIT, my man in training. So, <laughs> so he had those letters. Yeah. And when he was in Brazil for the first week, I think four days in, my wife called me. I stayed in, in Brazil, went to Rio for a few days. She said, you're going to have to go back to the academy. He's not doing well. I think he's going to want to come home. And um, when I get back, he's got a big smile on his face. I said, are you okay? He said, yeah, I'm good. He said, let me ask you a question. I said, what's up? He said, did you put the letters in any particular order? And I said, no. I said, why? He said, because I reread the first three. And I remember my purpose. I'm going to be fine. But more than that, Dad, when I read the letters, I know, I remember that not only can I do something, I know it's going to happen. But here's also what we're going to do. Whenever I return, we're going to publish these letters and share them with other families because other parents and children should benefit from what you've shared with me. Wow. And thus that became the first book that I wrote, which then, right, then made me, you know, put me in a line or to be here with you today. Okay. What's the name of the book? Raising Superman. S U P A M A N. Okay. Yep. Nice. Okay. We'll put a link to that. That's amazing. I love the idea of writing to your to your kids too, because things go by so fast, right? And I think that's the biggest regret as parents, maybe, is that we didn't take the time to to capture those moments, capture our thoughts. Yeah. Again, you're this is your first time being a dad, so. You're learning as you go as well, right? So exactly, you don't know what you don't know. So you're both on a journey at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, so we said, hey, you asked where you started. He was he was leaving, and he's 16. Well, here's why he was able to leave because <laughs> because we started off so early. 
early. We start off so early preparing for him to be able to leave. So when he says, I'm ready to go now, I'm like, well, I, I, you're ready because this was this was part of the plan for you to be ready. It started his own foundation as a 14-year-old. We just Harvard said right, you need to be humanitarian driven. So he had a foundation called the Social Justice League and he'd run drives to care for, for homeless teens and he'd done stuff to help with young children to learn to read because here he learned to read before age two. So you know he understands the importance of reading. He had his first computer his computer we bought him a computer at one and so it is not right it's not wait, surprising. wait not, not a playstation or a xbox no no, no. a computer <laughs> let's make that computer. very clear we bought him a computer in 1995 i think the yeah it would have been it have been the early 1996 i want to say the computer we bought it from sears and we bought it on credit i, I know it cost us at least three thousand dollars yeah, you know back it then, was yeah. very expensive back then and you had the cd roms and you put in so you could download aol and all that stuff but yeah the very first computer we bought was for him so it doesn't you know this it's not lost on me that today he has a phd in electrical and computer engineering so is that because because he had he had that he had that access to that stuff is a very is very early and it wasn't about playing games he was using it uh primarily then for just to learn stuff we had we had um cd-roms from a program called jumpstart and reader rabbit and we had the programs in both english and spanish so he was you know learning an additional language and you know, learning stuff about how to read and how to do math and science through these through these uh, CD ROMs. For a new dad listening, Nate, what what scares you about parenting today, and kind of where people are at with raising their children? What are you excited about when you look at other dads and how, interact with other families that come and talk to you? What scares you, and what are you excited about? What, so I'll start with the the joyful part. How about that? So yep. I'm I'm excited because I think people have all kinds of tools to use that um, that can capture moments that I wish I could cap I could go back and look at. Like I don't I could only imagine if Nine was an infant today and there was YouTube. Like <laughs> there's YouTube and there's TikTok and all that kind of stuff. I would have, it would have been great to be able to share with other parents along the journey some of the things we were doing because I think that would have been helpful for people to see it in real time. But it also would have been great for me. Sometimes I he and I talk and say, man, time is going so fast. I don't know where it all went. And I and I can't, so many of your 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 life memories, life events, I can't, I can't remember them. So it would have been wonderful if I had access to those kinds of things. So I'm right. excited for parents. Because they can capture everything. You, you can capture everything. You don't have to share it with everybody. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't have to uh, turn your child into some sales device that you create a living off of the things that your your child or children are doing. But it's great to be able to be able to look back and see the development of your child and the relationship and the things you've done. So that part, I'm also excited by some of the things that are available for parents, certainly from an, an academic standpoint, yeah. to help your child to learn some of the there was no Duolingo when my child was small. We were using right. language tapes. Um, people don't even know what a cassette tape is. <laughs> yeah. So people don't use CD-ROMs. So we have so much technology that we can use to help our children. So I'm, I'm hugely excited about that. 
What am I, what scares me is that I feel like we're in a time and place where people are more interested in outsourcing their children's responsibilities to somebody else. And that part, that part scares me. So like during the pandemic, hearing educators then for the first time in a while say to parents that we need parents to participate was was disheartening because I, I think parents should have always been participating. We shouldn't have needed a global pandemic to say, you know, parents really are the children's first teachers. And so it scares me that parents don't realize that they're, the fate of their children really is in their hands. But so often we've been we've been taught to outsource it to other people. That's a great point. Yeah, because there's a lot of parents scrambling with a like responsibilities and work and time and everything and not having time to teach their children. And and then, like you said, just dumping it on to another outsourced person to do that for them. Um, where's that, where's that connection and commitment and responsibility lie, yeah. right? And I, and I think when we think about how busy we all are, and it's not like, I just, I'm not a perfect, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not, of course I'm not, but I just want to make that, I want to acknowledge that to anyone yeah. listening. But, but at times you have to make a decision about what really matters to you. So Dave, early in my in my career, I I wasn't making much money of any money, right? And my wife was in graduate school. And so we had to make a lot of financial sacrifices. But the one thing we never sacrificed was what was best for him. Yeah. Um, it wasn't about what was best for me. I had opportunities to take a job once that was like 10 to 15 times what I was making at the moment. And I was making only about $30,000 a year. And when the, when the gentleman offered the position to me and explained to me what would be required of me, I said, so does that mean I'm going to have to be gone in the evenings? And he said, oh, yeah, you have to spend a lot of time away from home. And I was just like, I can't do that job. So as much money as I could have made, what mattered to me more was just to me was driving my son to school every day, helping him learn to read, helping him learn to count, thinking about what he could be in the future, not what was best for me in the immediate. Now, it worked out. I feel like it worked out. I don't feel like I've missed anything by not making 10 times or 15 times more money than I could have made, you know, early on in my career. But my life with my son is hugely better than I could have imagined would have been because I've seen other families try to struggle with trying to trying to have it all. And I just don't think you can have it all. That's that's one thing I, I've said to families all the time. There's no such thing as having it all. You can have a lot of something but you have to decide what that something is that you want the most of. And for it, me, it was, yeah. it was my son. Anything as you look back at all the successes and all the, the milestones that have happened throughout your life of your son and as a family, anything that you're kind of like, this particular thing I'd love to kind of get another shot at. I'd like to be able to do this portion again. Yeah, my son ran, my son ran track and he was pretty good at track and field. fact is... I want to say as a 12-year-old, he ran in the indoor nationals and he finished second in the nation. And wow. And finished, I think it was in the 408 in the 800 or 200 and no, no, fourth. I don't know. He finished, he finished in the top five in, in two events. And then we went to a a, a, a larger track meet. It's called the the um Phoenix Invitational. And there were there were athletes there from I want to say Jamaica and the Bahamas so there was a there was some international competition he finished fifth there but when he never ran he never ran track in high school and and that's because we couldn't get we couldn't get 
um, a an agreement, I guess, with the track coach to understand that this young man's aspirations were far bigger than running high school track. Yeah. And so that's one of the, the my disappointments that I and, and similar with soccer, uh, that he couldn't get the kind of experience he'd hope to get in America such that he need to leave the country. I wish that I'd known how to get him out the country sooner because then I probably would have done that at 12 or 13 rather than 16. Wow. Those are the, probably the only two, two, two regrets that I have about his childhood. Amazing. I love how you've set your son up for, for his future as well. You've kept him in mind, his future the entire time. Like even when he's in the crib, you're you're thinking about the long term plan for his life. Yeah. Uh, you, what's his feedback on all this? I'd like to know what he thinks of all this. Well, I was you know, <laughs> that's the that's been the common question people would ask. And I'll say, hey, you're you're welcome to ask him. And <laughs> I, can, I can connect you with him. He would be a great person for you to talk to. I think he is. He is exceptionally grateful for the life that he has. He understands that. But I also think, in fairness, he is a 20-something-year-old young man who is just starting to get get some of the life experiences that you and I now have. Yeah. And I think he'll, he'll have a greater, far greater appreciation, not that he's unappreciative, but a far greater appreciation for all that his life has been when he gets a little bit further yeah. down the road. Right now, he's still trying to knock off goals and objectives in his life. And when he's not necessarily at that point, he's trying to striving so difficultly to get to those goals and objectives. I think he may have more time to appreciate all that he's been able to do. Amazing. Yeah. Before we hit record, we're just sharing some, some uh, ideas back and forth about leaving a legacy and what our life means in the big picture. And we were kind of trading analogies back and forth, which was fun. Um, one of the things I was mentioning to you was just that whole apple seed thing that somebody mentioned to me a long time ago. I can't take credit for this at all, but just the fact that you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. And that you got you guys from an early days for your son were planting seeds that you didn't know mm -hmm. if they would ever catch, take hold, or turn into anything. But you still kept planting, you know, and again, you just never know what your actions are going to lead to, right? That's right. And, and and I said that I'm going to borrow your 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 phrase that you don't know where it came yeah, from. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so whoever whoever is the, the Thank you. originator yeah. of it, please forgive us. Dave <laughs> and I are both borrowing it. But yeah, my grandmother, uh, a hugely uh, faithful woman, used to say to me that, and it's a you know right out the out the Bible. She says, um, "You're going to be known as a tree." And you'll be known by the fruit that you bear. Yeah. And so, like, okay, all right. And 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 then and then I saw the Lion King, which basically said the same thing to me, right? With that Mufasa and Simba, and Mufasa in this moment comes back to Simba and says, Simba, you have forgotten me. You've forgotten who you, who you are. And and so, yeah, so I think the very same way that I'm the tree and he's the fruit. And 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 if I can't, I can't expect it to be him to be an apple as a fruit if all I am is a peach tree. Yeah. Like, that right that right that I have to be consistent with what it is I want him to be. 
Nice. And again, I love the idea that you're learning as a dad, as you're raising your son and making mistakes, learning from them, but as well having a plan. And I think that's the biggest thing that anyone yeah. listening, if you don't have a plan for your for your child early days, you're just going to kind of bounce around with no direction, no thought of the future, and you're just going to try things. But I love your approach, Nate, that you actually have thought it through and you kind of just work the plan and let's see where it goes. It's, yeah, I do have, you know, we've started with the with the with an end goal. So we at least we could at least say we had an end goal. The yeah. end goal was to, hey, how do we get to Harvard? Now, now how we get there is a little bit of a trial and error. Uh, but I think the important part to, to say to any new dad or new, any new parent is that when you're talking about raising a child, you're also talking about raising your own standards. And I think we like, we lose that. OK, because I hear a lot of parents say, well, this is what was done to me. Yeah, but it was terrible. It was terrible 30 years ago when it was done to you. So why would you replicate terrible behavior? Like You have to raise your standards when you're raising. Raising is is an action word. It is something that is happening in real time as opposed to raised. You know, I raised my child. No, that's past him. But we're always raising and we should always right. be raising, raising our own standards. Amazing. Okay, Nate, what's next for you guys? Uh, your son's on his journey now. What What are you guys doing? What's your thoughts and plans? Well, his his next stop is NYU. Um, he was accepted into, I think, four NBA programs. So he's <laughs> he's going to NYU in the fall, um, and he's going to work on his MBA. His long-term objective, I know folks that says he just got his PhD. Why is he going to get an MBA? Because his long-term objective is to start his own, uh, uh, his own uh, energy technology company. And what he does not want to do, because he says he's been around his father in part long enough, is to have to work for somebody else. Mm. So he, he wants to make sure that when he he seeks venture capital to start his company, that no one can question one, if he's a subject matter expert, because he is, he's got a PhD, he's a doctor, and two, that he knows how to run a business because he's going to have his MBA from one of the top, again, one of the top universities in, in the nation. So um, that's what he'll be doing for the next two years. We've written a couple of children's books together, and so we'll release the new one in, I think it's August. Um, it's called The Amazing World of STEM. So it'll be his, it's his third book that he's written, two in collaboration with his father, one on his own. And the one is on his own is also in there's a Spanish and a, a English version because he speaks four languages. I think I mentioned he was he was multilingual. Yeah, so if, if you want results, you want to be like, OK, Nate, it's one idea that have this idea of raising your son around the Harvard entry uh, requirements. Uh, that's one thing, but then when you see the results, <laughs> yes. then you're like, okay, let's balance yes. these out. Let's have the objective look at this and go playing different languages to your son in the crib. Yep. And you have no idea what they're saying, but you know he's soaking it in <laughs> and he speaks four languages. It's like, well, okay, those kind of go together. I think right. those fit. Right. I don't, I don't speak, speak them. He, he learned, he, he, he I'll just say he won't, he won't take credit for it. He was, uh, introduced to six. He can speak for, so yeah, yeah. Wow. I speak one, and depending <laughs> on how you feel about me today, you might not think I'm so good at the, the one. 
Amazing. Nate, thank you for making time today on a rainy, cloudy day on your end of the uh, on the screen there. But um, I just love listening to a dad with a plan, you know, and I know it's not just you, you and your wife together, but um, great to see how a family can come around and chart out a future and see where things go and, and then see the fruits of your labor back to the tree thing, the fruits of your labor as it kind of unfolds in front of you. That's a Got to be a proud moment for you as a dad. Grateful. Yeah. Grateful. I'm grateful. grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm try, like, yeah. I don't want to sound, I don't, I don't sound disrespectful to anyone. I just, I figure I should be grateful because Dave, honestly, people like you that I met along the journey who, who are, who are bright and shiny, sunshiny days on a cloudy day for me, keep, keep my spirits up. And then when you go home and you're with a child, it allows you to be bright and sunshiny for someone else because someone else pours some sunshine into your life. And so we know, you know, we're all a part of this great circle together. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that people continue to pour good things into my life and people pour good things into his life. So, and hopefully I can do, I can reciprocate and pour things good into the universe for other people. Amazing. So we're going to have links in the show notes, everyone, to go check out Nate's new website, which is yes. coming in the future. Yes, there you go. But everyone, go out and check out the books. Check out some amazing letters to to Nate's son in the process, what he wrote. There's so many great things here that we can dive a little deeper. Nate, where do we go? What do we do to connect with you? I want you as a speaker at my event. I want you to I don't know, raise my son for me. <laughs> you know, what, what, what can we do? How do we connect? So you can find me at the old website for now. It'll, mm. the, the the address will be the same. Nate, yeah. no, what's for say? Nathaniel, N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L-A, Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R dot com. You can also find me at um, the League of Extraordinary Parents. Um, that website is L-X-T-R-A-P dot com. It is... Um, it is a um, organization that a, a not for profit that my wife, my son, um, and my closest friend, um, Dr. Willie Underwood, created um, to provide parents with um, some tools, techniques, and strategies to backward design their own children's lives, to give their children the life that they always imagined by sharing with them some of these same, you know, processes that we use with our son. Now, that website sounds like you all have like your own cape as well. And you're standing with your arms crossed on the front like Superman. Yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 an, that's an intimidating website. I love that. It's a great name. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, the, that's, what, that's the goal. But yeah, you can find me either, in either of those places. I still maintain a blog written Superman, although I haven't written there in probably a year and a half. But there, there are probably several hundred articles that are written about all kinds of things from how to look at your child's educational outcomes from the school and some of the test scores that they're giving and how to chart your course to any school or university or how to look at schools based on endowments and how to make decisions so that you don't have a whole bunch of financial encumbrances when your child does go to school. So yeah, or how to send your child out the country, mm -hmm. et cetera. So if anyone at Harvard is listening, I think you owe Nate a couple bucks for all this great promo that we've been he, doing yeah. for your universities. He so, did you know. not even apply to Harvard. He, <laughs> oh, he there did you not go. Apply. He didn't See? apply to Harvard. He's like, I don't, after he came back from Brazil, he said, um, it's cold in Boston. I'm not going yeah. anywhere where I have to wear pants. <laughs> there you go. It's Texas, California, Florida. For so, Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. 
Nate, thank you so much for making time. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate you. Excellent. Everyone go check out the show notes. Make sure you connect with Nate. He's an amazing guy and you'll learn a lot. Thanks, Nate. Hey, thanks for uh, checking out Dad Space today. I'm so happy that you were here for this conversation and this episode. So great to have you part of the podcast. Would love to have you join us on our in our Facebook group where we get together with dads and we talk all things dad. If you're looking for that, you can find that link on our website, dadspace.ca. Also links to all of our social handles. Everything there at dadspace.ca. It's a Canadian website dadspace.ca how easy is that all we need now at dadspace.ca is you come and join us at dadspace we'd love to meet you love to hear your voice and get your idea for the next episode of dadspace yeah your idea how about that head over to dadspace.ca and leave us a message tell us what you want to hear here on dadspace and i look forward to having you back for the next episode Thanks for checking out Dad Space. Thanks, Dad. Take care.